Hello, it's Andrew May, and welcome to the Performance Intelligence Podcast, Bite Size Edition. This is where we take a clip from a previous podcast and amplify it for you in a snack-sized format. Optimize performance through adapting your physical, psychological, and emotional state. Harness your imposter syndrome with Dr. Nicola Gates. In this bite-size edition from episode number 48, clinical psychologist Dr. Nicola Gates talks about her own experience with imposter syndrome and how she has learned to not only overcome it, but how she uses it as an advantage. And before we play this episode, can I ask a small favor? And I know you hear this on most episodes, but can you please go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe? While you're there, we'd love it if you also give us a rating and review. Now let's listen to this bite-sized edition with Dr. Nicola Gates. And confidence when we talk about that as a mental skill is twofold. One, it's doing the work. And then two, it's backing yourself when the opportunities arise. Is a lot of what we're talking about catching up with that confidence growing into that confidence. Because if I think about the three examples, and again, this is N equals one, but then when I look at lots of other people I work with, and I know mine is at the pointy end on business, executives, and sports, so it may be a little bit nuanced or skewed, but a lot of them really are about catching up with the opportunity. As you correctly pointed out, I'd been doing each of those roles for a number of years. I just had to catch up with myself. Which is why I said to you often it's contextually based. So we're, we're reading a situation as being novel when in fact it might not be, which is part of the definition in the, in the sense that you haven't internalised that your previous success and matched it perhaps to the context. So yes, that there is a catch up, which is why it's recognised as not being a pervasive condition. So you can catch up there and then you might find yourself in another role doing something different or you might be in, a, in another context and experience it again. So absolutely. I find for myself that my imposter syndrome is very much around talking to certain audiences. So there are some audiences I'm completely comfortable with, but other audiences, the imposter syndrome comes up really high, even though I've been talking for you know 30 years, providing education, information, entertainment. Only that, so some audiences trigger it for me. So it's that notion that I don't know enough for this audience. You've got me intrigued. Is it academic audiences? Yeah, absolutely. One of the frameworks when you understand academics, it's not right or wrong, but one of the frameworks is you are looking at holes in other people's research. So when you write a paper, when you do a PhD, not only are you showing something new, but you've got a whole bunch of other people trying to disprove your theory. I, I, I get that if you've been an academic and only hang out with academics that you could have that running deep, but you work across multiple industries. Why does that still show up for you with academics? I think I know where you're going with this. <laughs> Andrew thinks because my dad is a world-renowned scientist um, who's got basically every accolade you can have except the Nobel Prize is part of the reason. No, he's the reason I'm curious and generous. Um, I only asked you an open-ended question, my friend. I, I wasn't having any projection. So it's it's my own professional colleagues, but you know it is diminishing because I'm looking around the room now and going, oh my goodness, you know, I'm starting to. I still actually feel like a person twenty years younger than I am, but I'm very aware now that I am in the older group in the uh, in the room now when I do those those presentations. Experienced, mature. Okay, don't use words like that. You, you, I don't use words like that. 
Are you planning an upcoming conference or company offsite? For the past 15 years, I've averaged speaking at over 50 events each year, and I still love presenting at conferences as much as I did when I first started. To explore the different presentations I offer on a range of topics and themes, including physical and psychological well-being, becoming burnout-proof, connection and belonging. That's a new area I'm, I'm really enjoying presenting on. Neuroscience and behavior change, mental skills and leadership and culture. Or if you'd like to understand our fully integrated conference experience with pre-event diagnostics, activities throughout the agenda, including a morning wake-up, energy breaks, team building activities, and digital resources to embed learning. To find out more information and to download a brochure, go to andrewmay.com slash keynotes. How would you coach yourself on this? It's an interesting one, right? If you went to you or someone like you, you would be difficult to coach. Here's why. And a lot of our audience are difficult to coach. Here's why. When you have the knowledge, you've got the education. So we call that self-awareness. But when you don't actually do it, that's self-regulation. Closing that gap between awareness and regulation is where you and I spend a lot of our time and expertise, especially at the pointy end. How would you close that gap for you to move from knowing this, having coached hundreds of people around this, impacting thousands through your books and through podcasts and the media you do? What would you coach yourself around? All right. I would start with fleshing out that awareness to to check out the internalization of of what's already been achieved um because that's that's one of the really important things i think and i mean i actually have a touchstone my husband bought me a touchstone it's a bracelet because she says getting embarrassed even saying this i my, for my phd i had no changes right that's completely unheard of it's you submit a PhD, you have to make changes. You resubmit it. That's I had absolutely I had no changes on on a eighty thousand word whatever PhD. Um, so much so that I the the dean of medicine called me up because it's basically it doesn't happen. Why am I telling you this? And I am telling you this uncomfortably. But my husband thought, well, that's right. And I have got a bracelet that's a bit like a handcuff, and I can't take it off. And that's my touchstone. So. I would be encouraging me to actually look at that and say, you got that for a reason. So back yourself. And so that awareness, acceptance, and letting go. Thank you for sharing. Can I ask you one more question? Sure. You can ask me anything. I don't have to answer it. <laughs> it would be so much easier. Let's stick to the script, Andrew. What is imposter syndrome? How does it show up? Why do you feel uncomfortable talking about that? Well, that's a sign of imposter syndrome too. In case if you you know if you look at all the notes we had beforehand, people who deflect praise and and um, things like that. Well, I guess I'm also, I'm humbled by it as much as astounded by it. I didn't think I I mean I had an amazing generous professor, and I never doubted her ability. So between her efforts and and mine, I'm I'm not going to say it was luck or fluke, because she was walked with me. And I, I worked really, really hard. So I guess I've still got a little work to do there, haven't I, Andrew? You've just seen an Achilles. Not an Achilles. I love our conversations, Nicola. And <laughs> you sharing that for people who are listening to this, I think the big takeout is, yeah, you can teach this, you can research this, you can have PhDs in this. We all dance with it. And it's not a bad thing. It's when you acknowledge it, it can actually help. It can actually fuel you. And in fact, with my... Um, colleagues that I spoke to last week 
the person who invited me to do the presentation recognized that I had expertise. Anyway, and I said to her, you know, I've got imposter syndrome. She goes, oh, my God, can you actually say that? Can you, because this is for early entry neuropsychologists, if they see you, someone in 30 years, and you say, I've got imposter syndrome, this is how I manage it, that will just make it so much easier for them. So, yeah. You said that? I said that. What was the response? Oh, it was an, oh, my God. Like, if you've got it, us, the rest of us, how do the rest of us feel? And then I said, well, you just have to manage it. And they said, well, if you've got it and you do these things, then clearly it's manageable. Like I'm a good example of someone who's managed imposter syndrome and still done stuff. So having that awareness is really important. And yeah. then knowing how to manage it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing I've learned as well is you know it's there and then you have a strategy around it. Around Absolutely. It. But mm. when you doing that, not only normalised it, you gave those young men and women a fast track to, to being the best versions of themselves, a fast track to, to knowing how to navigate this. Because it doesn't come. You can go and do a degree in neuroscience, but it doesn't mean you have a master's in regulating your emotions, your feelings, That's your right. internal circuitry. Hi again, it's Andrew, and I hope you really enjoyed that episode. We would appreciate if you helped to amplify the Performance Intelligence podcast by sharing episodes with your friends and with your colleagues by going to iTunes and leaving a rating and review. This really does help get the message out to a wider audience and I love reading the comments as well. If you'd like to know more about booking me as a speaker at your next annual conference or company offsite or purchasing one of the books I've written, including Matchfit, or if you'd just like to receive my monthly e-newsletter, which is called the AM edition, that has stacks of information specific to all things human performance, go to andrewmay.com. And we'll see you on the next edition of Performance Intelligence.